this truck has naughty words. Welcome to the Sexy Selfish Podcast Series. I'm your host, Shona Gates. I'm a women's life coach, success strategist, and a self-proclaimed badass. And I'm here to help you rediscover your authentic self, stop delaying your happiness, and step into your truth. This podcast has been created to connect, inspire, and nurture mums who want more. Are you ready? I am really excited for today's podcast. It's an incredible interview that I know you're absolutely going to love. We talk about a lot of different topics. Um, You know, we're touching on miscarriage and loss and grief and connecting and being embracing your creativity and finding your tribe of people. So I'm really, really excited for you to listen to today's podcast. But before we dive into that, I just want to touch on the Sexy Selfish Elite. I made a big announcement through my emails um, maybe two weeks ago now, and so many of you took that opportunity to jump on board with the Sexy Selfish um, Elite, which is so exciting. It's growing every single day with new people, but I just want to take this moment to just touch on what it is. So I am calling in the next group of incredible women who are ready to level up their abundance in a huge way. This is really for the woman who doesn't ask for discounts, who doesn't ask for special circumstances. She is like motherfucking empowered. This is for the woman who makes it happen no matter what it takes. This is for the woman who takes full responsibility. And this is for the woman who knows and owns that she creates her life. So chances of you listening to this podcast, that's probably you. Because this is the woman for has this is for the woman who has no excuses. This is for the woman who listens to podcasts on mindset. This is for the woman who gives fear to big middle fingers and tells it to F off. This is for the woman who takes care of herself even when she's busy. This is for the woman who shows up every day in her truth. She shouts freely what she knows and She trusts that the world needs to hear her message. She doesn't care what people think about her. Are you that woman? Are you ready to fully step up into the abundance that your heart desires on a soul level? Are you ready for the business to be fun and get to get paid every damn hour with flow and with ease in a way that's aligned to you? Are you ready for the Sexy Selfish Elite. So what is it? The Sexy Selfish Elite is a paid 12-month membership program and it's a community for mums who want more. More abundance, more success, more joy. It's hosted by Shona Gates, which is me. Um, (laughs) And it's a high-vibe 12-month membership to master the mindset behind creating an abundant, exciting, aligned, and authentic life on every freaking level. This is a 12-month mastermind that teaches you the mindset, the strategy, and the tactics behind rediscovering the most badass, abundant you. We're a community of kind-hearted and totally badass babes who desire more abundance and influence and impact by doing what we love. So each month you get coaching sessions with me, guest speaker sessions, you get audio trainings, you get journaling prompts, you get access to the Elite Portal, which has got over five grand's worth of content plus lots more. And you also get one of my Sexy Selfish Abundance Affirmation card decks. It's the only place that you can get them. The total value of the 12-month Mastermind membership is over $38,000. Don't let that scare you. That is the total yearly value price. Your price is $47 a month for 12 months. So the total cost is only $564 over the whole year, which is pretty freaking amazing. It's time to step into your next level of abundance, success, and purpose because you are a total badass. So own it, babe. It's time to unleash your inner rich, babe. It's time to create your dream life on your own terms. And that journey begins here. So let's do this. Oh, 
Awesome. So welcome everyone to today's Sexy Selfish podcast. This is the first interview for the 2019 interview series. So each year I do about six interviews with just amazing women that I connect with. And today I'm here chatting with Nikki, who we connected um, together on Instagram. Her Instagram is Combi Life. Um, and I'm going to get her to share later how she came up with that name. But Nikki, why don't you come on in and introduce yourself to everyone listening? Hi, everyone. I'm Nikki and I am from, yeah, Cobby Life, which is on Instagram. And yeah, I love being on Instagram. It's definitely my creative outlet and something that I enjoy. And I love meeting people. So this, I love that it brings people like us together. It's so like just inspiring and I just I just love it it keeps me very interested on the farm life as it's uh you know I don't see a lot of people out here so it connects me to the world so you're from Perth aren't you so I'm guessing well well Western Australia where exactly are you from to have that kind of um farm life happening okay so I'm three hours out of Perth <clears throat> which um, I had, so I grew up um, actually around here, which is very interesting that I ended up back here, which I'd never thought I would. Um, but I lived uh, a lot of my uh, first adulthood in Perth. So what prompted the move back home then? So um, when I decided to come home, so I'd been in Perth for a while and I decided I wanted to travel. So I, uh, yes, money is always a factor in travelling. So I came home to save um, money and um, it was interesting I never left. <laughs> That's very interesting. Like I'm from a small, um, small community. Well, it's not small now. It's quite big, Barossa Valley, but we're about we were about an hour and a half out of the city. Now with all the expressways, we're about an hour out. And I noticed the same thing. Everyone I went to high school with, everyone left and did uni and traveled and moved into state. And like very slowly over the last year or two, I'm like, everyone's coming back. <laughs> and nearly everyone's back <laughs> living in their hometown. And I'm just like, oh, this is so cool. And everyone's getting pregnant. It's like, everyone's home again. And of course I never left. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, that's like what they say, home is where the heart is. <laughs> yeah yeah and it's, it's just something about that connection isn't it so tell me about life before kids for you who was Nikki before kids and family and all of that that we now see on your Instagram okay so um you may see that um I have passion with um, my fashion um on my page so I worked in fashion in Perth for about eight years um, for a company called Live Clothing. Um, and I was really involved in that side of thing and I did modelling for them. And, um, yeah, that was... I was enjoying that real city vibe and, yeah, eating out and partying. And, um, yeah, so when I moved back to the farm, I was 26. Yeah. And then what happened from that? So you were, you were living in a city and obviously loving that lifestyle. And just as you said, like loving going out to eat, I'm just like, oh my God, I miss going out to eat. Yeah. <laughs> we just don't do yeah, it. That was that. Don't do it at all. Yeah. Yeah. So um, when I uh, moved back to the farm, um, the, it was all about traveling. Um, and my number one destination was Australia first because I wanted to see my own country before I headed off to London or wherever my path was going to. And I, want, I had it all mapped out. <laughs> and um, then, yeah, well, I'll go deeper. And I, the man that I first fell in love with when I was 17 um, we then uh, got back together and um, a little happy accident happened, which was my eldest boy, Lars. <laughs> and then, yeah, we just, as my dad said, it was just meant to be. Yeah, that's beautiful. So found, found your high school sweetheart again. 
Yes, so he was my first love and yeah, he'll be my last. <laughs> From one high school sweetheart to another, I just, I think that's so cool. And I love now that, um, and I know you probably get this as well, if my kids always ask me, oh, mommy, who was your, like, who was your first kiss? Or who did you fall in love with? Who was your first boyfriend? I'm just like, be able to, I look across the lounge room and point at their dad. I'm like, that guy. <laughs> and I just, I love that. I, I know. And that. Yeah. And that's, yeah. And it is, it's your true love. It's your soulmate. And um, I think that everyone loves me telling our story and how, you know, when I was 17 and I left the farm to move to Perth, and my husband said to me, um, or my husband now, boyfriend then, he said, Mickey, you need to go and live um, your life. He said, if we're meant to be, you will come back to me. He said, I have to set you free. And you did. It's like the notebook. <laughs> <laughs> Got yeah. your own romance. <laughs> So, <laughs> yeah, so your happy little accident with your eldest boy, Lars, and that obviously things would have changed pretty dramatically for you then. So tell me about that transition of like young fashion life, travel goals, then into, oh my God, I'm, I'm a mum. Yeah, it was, um, it had, yeah, being that young, and you probably know yourself, I found a lot of challenges and because all the mums around here are so much older than me, um, which, I mean, didn't stop my, me connecting with them. But all my friends from Perth, they were still partying. They were still travelling. So my connection with them really, you know, um, quite disappeared for quite a long time. I mean, I've had some reconnections since people have had kids, but otherwise... Yeah, I found it really strange. I missed going out for dinner. Um, yeah, transitioning from having to travel an hour to get food um, and then try make meals and do all that. And then, yeah, once my baby came along, it was, I, I mean, it just, I'm, I'm definitely one of those people just loves being a mum there is no doubt about that I could have so many more kids if um the if mother nature would let me yeah it is it's such a wonderful thing and I think you don't really know whether it's gonna be for you it's like some I expected to be like just love being a mum and love spending time with my kids and just fully dedicate my life to being a mum like my mother did but about four months into motherhood I was like I am so bored <laughs> So it was not what I expected. And then I, but I talked to so many other women who as well thought that they would be, you know, back at work and that they, they weren't going to be really that full on hands on mum. And then they have the baby and everything changes. And then they just fall in love with that mum life. So you, you never really know until it happens, do you? Yeah. And I mean, I think, you know, everyone that um, is, you know, living the life without children and, and judging people on how they mother and all that. Um, yeah, you really can't judge until you're in, in that um, place and you're going through it all and you're just like, oh, my God, this is like the hardest job ever. Yeah, I feel like that's the only way that the human race actually continues, though, is by people without children judging people with children and thinking that they're going to be able to do it better. Because if everyone actually said, no, you won't be able to do it better, you'll be just as shit as I am. No one would have children anymore. So at some point, that, that judgment keeps the human race going. <laughs> but it's not productive either. Yeah, my, yeah I know. But yeah, it gives you, um, once you're in it, you just realise, you think, okay, yep. Um, it just gives you that, I think, what is the word, clarity? Like, it's like okay, all right, I can do this, maybe. Yeah, it's a different perspective, isn't it? Um, and, you, you know, you mentioned about losing oh friends God, and everything. And I, I can completely relate. I was 19 when I fell pregnant with my son, Eric. Um, and, you know, we already had a house and we were already engaged and everything was happening. So 19 and pregnant, I didn't feel very young. And it wasn't until I went to my mum's group for the first time and everyone was between 30 and 40 that I started to feel very young 
Um, but luckily age is no barrier. And some of the women from my original mum's group are my best friends still. Um, but yeah, it can be quite daunting, especially for you probably having that big transition from moving from the city back to a small community and then becoming a mum as well. And then look at you now. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I believe that everyone has a certain path and the path that I am today and, and where I've grown and stuff like that. And, um, you know, listening to you about your mum's group, when I used to go to Perth and um, meet up with friends, I would always ask if I was Lars's nanny. Oh, really? Yes, I would always get asked that. I'd be pushing him like in a pram and they'd like, be like, oh, you're the nanny? And I'd be like, no, I'm the mum. That's such a compliment though. So your youthful glow. And like I, as well, I the first time I saw your Instagram after we connected through, I can't even remember who it was, but first time I saw your Instagram, I was kind of looking, I'm like, are these her children because she looks very like very young or are they children models or anything and I'm like okay no it's the same kids over and over again these are her kids she's a mom it's all good <laughs> yeah it's crazy my my 15 well so Lars is 15 now and um he is six foot two so he's taller than me Whoa. Um, yeah I get I get mistaken for his sister all the time. <laughs> I would I would take that compliment and run with it. <laughs> Does it get embarrassed it when it happens? happens when we're I actually I'm very lucky the connection I have with my kids and at this stage my kids aren't embarrassed of me. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hoping that 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 continues. <laughs> yeah I think that's great my son my son's seven and he goes through varying stages of being embarrassed with me and not like sometimes in class he'll come up and ask for a hug goodbye and then other times I will pounce on him and tickle him and kiss him and he's like oh mom stop it and I'm like no embarrassing you is my life mission <laughs> but yeah it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny isn't it like how they can yeah Sometimes they're embarrassed, sometimes they're not embarrassed. But anyway, like having a 15-year-old now, and how old are your other kids as well? Is there, is there big gaps between there? or? Um... Um, so, yeah, I've got Georgia, who's soon to be 13 next month. And then, yeah, I've got the, the big gap, which is, so Nate will be seven in August. Um, the reason for that gap is we actually had a little girl in between that I lost when I was 16 weeks pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, so I kind of was very nervous about um, whether I was meant to have any more children. Yep. I, I completely yeah. understand that. And I think it's actually a very common a very common thing is for that anxiety to pop up. What is it? One in three women have a miscarriage. And, you know, going to have another baby after a miscarriage can be a really, really terrifying thing. How did yeah, you, it how was, did you um, quite, that? Yeah, it was quite, it was very traumatic. Um, and I had already told people I was pregnant and my kids knew as well. So then, um, you know, my miscarriage was quite, um, yeah, traumatic for me because I had to do it at home because, um, they don't actually let you do it in the hospital, whether it's here yeah. or Perth, I'm not sure. But um, I had to give birth to the girl that I named Asha um, um, at home. So that was, yeah, traumatic for me to then, um, yeah, want to decide whether we should have any more children because it was so... Not to, yeah, not just traumatic for me, but also impacted the kids a lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I can share yeah. this as well because those podcasts won't be released for a few weeks and it will be announced. But I'm, I'm currently pregnant and 14 weeks and we lost twins about two years ago. And the same thing, that all happened at home. We lost one at seven weeks and then one at nine weeks. And we were very lucky um, 
you know, it was early. We hadn't shared with many people. We just asked for our kids to go away to a friend's for the weekend each time it happened and kind of processed and moved through that by ourselves. But I think lacking the support and not sharing with people what was going on, it took me about 12 months to actually fully deal with that grief um, and kind of process it and understand it myself and move past it. And being pregnant this time, I am so anxious about it. I've had a couple of bleeds. I've been in and out of hospital. I've got this little Doppler that I'm like, it's attached to me because I just want to make sure baby's okay. And it is, it's, it's so much more stressful. Yep. My first two pregnancies, I didn't even think if anything could go wrong. I literally like, it didn't even cross my mind. And now it's every single day. Was that similar for you moving yep. out having your son? Yeah, so, um, I mean, when I was pregnant with Georgia, um, I I did have this kids at 20 weeks and they called it irritable uterus. So then I was bedridden until she was born. So she was born at 36 weeks and then um, was in the HUMI crib for about a week. Um, and then, you know, she... That, that, I think that's also why it took me a while to even go for the third because of um, the problems I've had with her. But, um, yeah, after Asha, I just, I desperately wanted more children. Like I just, that is something that I could have more now and I would be happy. But um, I trust that everything happens for a reason and, that you know this is how it's meant to be and when I had Nate everything was perfect perfect pregnancy perfect baby um so yeah definitely made you made me want more after him but um oh, yeah beautiful. it was a very very trying time hey that's that's absolutely beautiful that you end, ended up having that that wonderful birth experience after Yes, it definitely, um, I mean, I, I, I still am like this today and every, you know, every child is different. Um, they are definitely unique and special in their own way and, you know, they have all taken me all through a separate journey and they still are. So um, I find that about motherhood is, it's so rewarding, it's so challenging. Um, but yeah, I just having all those little personalities and all the things you go through them separately, it really does, um, it really completes you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. So now Nikki with three kids and obviously going through some, you know, some traumatic life stuff as well. And how did the kids, um, how did the kids cope? How did they understand what was happening with you when you lost Asha? Um, so they were both quite young. I'm just trying to think. Um, so if Nate seven, Asha would have been uh, ten this year. Uh, she would have been ten in May. Mm -hmm. um, so we, I just kept talking about her as though, um, you know, she was part. We still talk about her to this day. Um, I've got her ashes in a little box. Yeah. Um, which has a little butterfly on it. Um, my daughter, I think it impacted my daughter the most. Mm -hmm. um, she still talks about it to this day. And, um, you know, when Nate came along, she was just, she was wrapped with him. She was just such a little mother. And I think she has that motherly instinct. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think, um, yeah, that's sort of... I. I, I feel I have been through so much in my life um, that I've got to believe that everything happens for a reason and, um, you know, it makes us stronger. It makes us go where we are meant to go and um, that's what I tell my kids as well and that's what my husband believes also. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I know that that made things a lot easier for us with the twins, just knowing that it wasn't meant to be and that's okay and for, for the short time that they existed they were just completely love and surrounded by love and that's that's the best gift you can give anyone right um you know they were never cold and they were never heartbroken and 
anything like that. And it's just, it's how we choose to move through that grief and understand those things in a different way, I guess. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, yeah, moving through grief is definitely something I've had to do in my life after uh, I lost my brother when I was 17. And then um, that that's interesting because the story um, behind my page comes from then losing my mum to leukaemia, which will be um, five years ago um, this year. Yeah, so that has something to do with how you started the page. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so that's um, 100% of why I started my page. So um, when my mum was really sick, we spent a lot of time in Perth. Um, It was very hard because we knew she wasn't going to survive her cancer. We were told that. And I remember coming across this little combi van um, in a shop and um, I took it as some sort of sign I don't it was sort of like oh that's really cute and then I started um, documenting this combi Mm -hmm. and talking about um, how you know life is a ride and um, that's when my poetry and writing came to life and um, I sort of told it through that and the little yellow combi that was called Jude after my mum, which, you know, as a kid, she used to tell me I was her little Miss Sunshine. So that was the little yellowness that, yeah, that, um, so that's my signature colour is yellow. And um, so that's where it started. And the the word combi life came as, um, a combi way of life, a, a free-spirited sort of the road will take us where it is and this is my um, life journey, this road will take me where I need to go and um, that people were to follow my ride of life. And obviously they have. You've got 10,000 Instagram followers And I love as well that you've been able to build that audience, obviously, by just completely being yourself. You're so multifaceted with your writing and your food and the fashion side, and you just fully share all the different parts of yourself. And people obviously love it. So how has it evolved over the time? Oh, it's so funny because I just, a friend said to me yesterday, she said, Nick, you have just let your page just guide you and wherever it takes you you just accept that and you go with it and you know when I started it was about the it was about photographing things and my children because I kind of discovered this new collateral beauty you know when you just see when you're going through life of losing somebody you see the world through different eyes Oh, absolutely. So then I started seeing everything more beautiful and so beautiful and this is so beautiful and so special and every day is a gift. So documenting photos of the everyday became very important to me because, um, you know, when I was trying to find photos of my mum, there wasn't always photos there. So she was always the one behind the camera. Um, So then I started photographing and then people were like, oh, we'd really like you to photograph for us. If we send you clothes for your kids, would you photograph? And I'm like, what? (laughs) Like (laughs) I had no idea. Like I I had no idea that it was actually a thing. And then it it snowballed from there. So um, at the start, it was all about the kids. And as my kids got older, it came a lot more about the writing because that's that's a uh, form of my creative outlet. And um, with grief, I found that by writing, it sort of um, made me feel um, better um, and having it on paper sort of made me move forward. Um, So when I started writing about my daughter going through her tween age, which was, Oh my God, crazy. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> this lady um, who was running a tween blog asked me if I would blog for her. And um, I said, oh, I don't think I can do that. Um, I'm not very that good at that kind of thing. And um, I just wrote that, I, you know, recently I wrote a blog about being dyslexic. And I'm like, oh, well, I'm dyslexic. I can't be a blogger. <laughs> anyway, she was so gorgeous. She was so gorgeous to say, she was like, I'll help you. We'll get you a blog page. And that all snowballed as well. And, um, yeah, it's so strange how it's just taken me in so many different areas. But I'm happy to go with how it moves. Yeah, um, it feels like it's sometimes I sort of it's, it's very you. It's almost got a life of its own, doesn't it? Yeah, it's so weird. Like the new, what are they called, saying, the influencer phase, which I still have to grasp on because I'm not used to being in front of the camera. But um, people, people want to see it. So yeah. I've got to move with that as well. <laughs> it is. They're very much, um, yeah, like we're so obsessed with other people and what other people are doing in their day. It's this, this weird Kardashian, vi- not virus, but what is it? Just, it's spread. It's absolutely spread. Yeah. It's this thing where we're all just like. It's like a virus. Yeah. yeah. And I think there's, there's those of us that can really embrace it. And there's those of us that are embracing it reluctantly because we still want our, um, oh, what's the word? An anonymity, anonymity, I don't know. Our anonymousness, which I, I know is think- not the right word. <laughs> we still want, yeah, a yeah, bit of our privacy. I know yeah, it's a definitely. word, I've, I've read it, but I can't say it. <laughs> anonymous? Yeah. Yeah, you oh, know what I, I mean. I don't know it either. Yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> so how, like, you've obviously got multiple different things going on. So you love food, you're writing, you're taking photographs, you're managing social media and obviously collaborating with people. How do you balance all of that? and make sure, you know, you're not burning yourself out or spending too much effort in one area. Do you have a system or a structure? Is it all just very intuition-based with you go with what you're feeling that day? Um, So, yeah, I've been talking about this a lot because I think it's very important when you are in this line of work and you are putting yourself out there and you are working for others because you tend to, so lately I was having a little bit of self-doubt about whether I was actually good enough and, you know, that sort of thing. But um, one thing that I always, well, talk about and I'm more aware of, um, you know, growing into um, motherhood is that you can't pour from an empty cup we've really got to be conscious about, um, you know, that mum, what's the word, mum meltdown, not meltdown, mum, when you, yeah. Yeah, like the mummy burnout. The mummy burnout, that's the one. So, yeah, I'm very conscious about that and that's something I used to do a lot when the kids were little. Um, I would just push myself. Um, so I have put into things daily that I do, which keeps my mind focused and I structure out, you know, answering DMs, answering emails, checking in on the people I work with. And I usually do that during the morning and I do like a big walk and I tend to use my phone as I walk and I will respond to people and that's when my creative mind really gets going. So I tend to put it into my notes and always have, yeah, it in my notes of my ideas and how I want to create a picture and how I want to write something. I even tend to jot stuff down while I'm walking as well. I also do yoga and meditation, which keeps me grounded. Um, And that's very important to me to stay grounded. I'm very conscious of the time I have with my family. 
So I do make sure I put that aside and make sure my weekends are with my kids and my husband. So I make sure that that, you know, realistically to me, my family is my number one. Yeah. And I think it's great to have that, that time where you don't have to be thinking about work or you're not running around like a headless chook or where you can just be, um, is so, so important. And I know that there've been lots of studies done recently about that link between mindfulness and being present and, you know, increased and better mental health for not only mums, but kids, especially in teenage years and stuff as well. It makes such a huge difference. Have you found that as well? Yeah, I think I think it does. I think definitely, um, you know, that's that's my number one in in that is, you know, yeah, just making sure that you you're definitely centered in it all. Um, what I do is I wouldn't do what I did if it didn't make me happy. So that's also number one for me is um, making sure I have those things in my life that make me happy, and that's that's very important to me that I'm doing what, um, you know, makes my soul sing. And I think that's reflected in every aspect of the conversations we've had. Um, but you know, through that social media as well, it just very much looks like you just follow your heart each day, share what brings you joy and do what brings you joy. And I think, um, you know, that has a big, a big reason, a big part of the reason why so many people do follow you because it goes the way that you run your social media. I hope you don't mind me getting a bit businessy here. Um, but the way that you run your social no, media that's fine. Yeah. yeah, as being quite multifaceted, like you share photos of yourself and kids and fashion and food and friends and quotes, like everything we're being told about marketing, everything that they're teaching online these days says to do the opposite. It says you've got to niche down. You've got to provide one solution, <laughs> for one problem. You've got to be so, like, you've got to be yeah. able to, you know, it's, it's completely opposite to what you're doing. And yet what you're doing is working. Yeah. And that's one thing that I, you know, my husband is not social media, but to me, um, the most important thing in myself and teaching my children is to be me. Um, I will, I will be raw. I will be, um, you know, I t I know I can teach in in certain areas, so I will do that. And I mean, everyone has a multi-task system in their life, um, but that is exactly who I am. And I'm not going to be anyone else. Um, and what do they say? Your vibe attracts your tribe. <laughs> yeah. So obviously by showing up fully authentically as yourself, you're attracting people who are also completely authentic and, and want that same level of yeah. rawness and honestness and fun. And people appreciate it. I mean, I've even got a following of quite a teenage um, age as well and even the messages that I get from them um you know are actually really rewarding to me that you know what I am saying that to be yourself and not to conform not to conform to just fitting in it's okay to be unique it's okay to be different um you'll be more happy if you are being you is what I believe I think if you try to be someone else and try to be fake, you're not going to be happy. 100%. I think if, if especially for teen, and I, I freak out a lot about my kids being teenagers, like a lot. <laughs> I've, I've managed yeah, most of my have, anxiety pretty have, well, but not when I think about my kids being teenagers. <laughs> no, and I'm there and I, you know, I'm, I'm in it, like fully in it, but the one thing I have done with my kids is being open and honest. They, I mean, they're so beautiful in the, in the relationship that we have and that the conversations we have are very open. Yeah. But it, it's what I, it, what helps me to, um, I know they don't tell me any, everything, but it reassures me that 
I'm tapped into them. Does that sound yeah. crazy? But I, I can kind of, like, my gut feeling is always usually right. Um, and it was funny. I rang my son the other day, and I won't tell you the conversation that we had, but for some reason I had to tell him something. And, um, yeah, it was it was a great conversation. And he said, you know, Mom, I really appreciate your honesty and how you are with me. So I think if we can keep that, I will be very happy. Yeah, and I think that's something my husband and I have like, well, at least if we focus on, we don't want to be ignorant parents, like head in the sand parents, um, or at the point where, you know, something happens to our kids and they don't feel they can share it with us. So it's always been very much about trying to keep in mind you know kids are going to fuck up and they're going to do the wrong things and they're going to you know get caught up in situations they don't want to be in or situations that they know they've made the wrong choice but I don't ever want my kids to hesitate calling me from a party and saying mom and dad can you come pick me up you know I I want to be the safe place for my kids um yeah 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 I say that to my kids all the time I said no matter how bad it is I said, you need to ring me. And and they have. Um, yeah. They have rung me when things have gone bad or they feel they've done something wrong. But my first thing when my daughter went away to boarding school, I said to her and I said to my son, I sat them down and I said, listen, there are things that you're not going to want to tell your mum and dad. But having a sibling, I said, sometimes if you just turn to them when you need to tell them something, then that that way you know you have each other as well. Yeah. Um, and I said, and but I but I said I hope that if it's really bad that you'll come to me and know that it's okay, no matter how bad it is, I am behind you and I will be there a hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I, we, my husband and I, you know, well, we obviously started dating when we were 15 and we had a break and got back to that 17. And the things that we watched our friends do, like crash cars, deal drugs and all these awful things that they were doing and their parents had no idea, you know, they would crash their car, be properly injured and be too scared to tell their parents about it so they could get help things like this. And I'm just like, no, I don't ever want to be that parent where my kids are terrified to tell me something. I always want it to be very open. Um, my son, Eric has autism as well. So he, yeah, like, I heard that. Yeah. So he's already got a team and I'm so grateful for them of OTs and speech therapists and psychologists and things like that. He has a team of people that he sees regularly. And I'm always so glad when I catch up with his psychologist that he tells everything that she's been taught, like Eric's told her. Um, and he always, she always asks him, you know, psychologist client confidentiality um can I talk to mommy about this stuff and he always says yes and then she talks to me about it and I'm like oh yeah I know all that that's fine like and I'm really really proud of uh, of that yeah. connection I'm like, I know he's only seven and I know things are going to get a lot more complicated but I'm like if we can just hold on to this this honesty and this trust but also respecting his privacy hopefully hopefully we'll just hold on to that and we'll we'll keep going in that direction you know Oh, most definitely. And I think if you start from a young age, it is something that um, sort of sets within them um, because that's what I've done with all my kids. I mean, as I said, I've had to parent them all very differently, but that that is one thing that I've done with them is be open and honest. Um, you, yeah, there will all be challenge, always be challenges and God help us, the tween age and the teenage is probably the hardest. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you ke- if you keep that honesty open, I think it, yeah, it only benefited me with my children. But um, you know, I would t- I know that everyone parents differently. I've got a lot of friends that do parent differently. Um, but that is one thing that um, I'm for a hundred percent is honesty and being open with my kids. Beautiful. And how do you feel the relationship? Um, you know, do you feel that your relationship with your kids has matured as they've gone to boarding school? Because I've heard um, we've got lots of friends out in the country, obviously, who send their kids to boarding school. Um, I have a strong feeling my daughter's going to want to do that. She's got a very independent personality. Um, how, yeah. do you, how do you feel that that accelerated your relationship a little bit 
as they mature a bit faster? Um, so my son's journey has all been very different. Um, he grew up very quick. So Georgia, she's only uh, just started this year. So we are going through a few challenges in that aspect of things. Um, yeah, I'm really digging deep with her at the moment because I know she's struggling. She's struggling with the difference in the schools. She's struggling mostly with being away from me and not having that motherly contact because we are so close. Um, so that is one thing that me and her, I'm having to really, um, yeah, dig into my pockets and <laughs> pull out the good stuff with this one. Yeah, it's funny how your parenting journey is just so completely different with each child. So different. Um, and I remember my sister and I, the threat from our parents was always, if you keep behaving like this, you're going to boarding school. And after hearing it so many times <laughs> over years and years, my sister actually, I just went, sure, sure, whatever. I know you can't afford it. So I never paid attention to the threats. But my sister, she, it completely backfired on my parents. She actually contacted Wilderness Boarding School here in um, Adelaide and organized to get pen pals there. So she was kind of like, fine, you're going to send me to boarding school. I'm going to and she's like, she had all these pen pals from different boarding schools and it just totally backfired on my parents. It was hilarious. And then about six months later, they were still threatening boarding school and she's like, I'm, I'm ready. I'd like to go. And they're like, oh, oh no, no, we weren't, we weren't serious. And I'm like, you can't. Oh, don't you love school. that? Egg? Yeah. No, and you you got to you got to love that they all have their own little personalities and will yeah test us back for sure and uh, yeah they they sometimes get us a beauty with those sort of things. Yeah, don't they? my my daughter's the same. If I tell her, you know, if you leave your, your toys out, they're going to get picked up by the cleaner and get tossed out. She'll go and get a garbage bag and start putting things in, and she's like, we can donate these or we can throw them, and she'll full just go and chuck them in the bin. Like she's very good at calling. Um, your bluff. So there's no threat. Calling your bluff. Absolutely no threat that will work on her. Um, but yeah, well, I mean, as we've only got a couple of minutes left before we wrap up the interview and I love what we've talked about so many different broad things, but I'd love to know what's next for you. What's next for Nikki in terms of, you know, the career, how you move forward creatively, what's on the horizon? What would you love to achieve? Okay, so my newest adventure, which is um, part of my photography, has sort of, I, I've been contacted quite a few times in the last um, couple of days and I'm, I'm taking a trip to Perth next week. And so what I did was I organised the location and I put it out there that, um, you know, I'd be having up to five women and that I had these ideas about photographing these ladies in this cafe. So it's, it would be about collaboration of people meeting each other, but then also me being able to photograph them and capture them in a way that they wanted to be photographed for their business or even just personally their self. Um, so then they can use it on their page and then also, um, I'm very much about women supporting women. So I also want to collaborate that and really push um, people supporting each other. Um, so my main focus is Perth, just because I've met so many women lately um, in Perth. And I want to bring that connection together and really um, have each other's back. So that's sort of... Um, my headspace right now is um, about connecting women and then also being able to give them uh, beautiful photography that they can use on their pages. I absolutely love that. And especially that, you know, the connection part of it and the collaboration is so important to you. And we have a similar thing here in SA run by the SA women's group where a photographer will do like a morning session. It's just everyone gets together, hangs out, drinks coffee, and she takes some headshots. She takes a couple of photos for the business. And it is that community and connection that makes it so special. 
Yeah, and I wanted it to be fun and I wanted it that we would be able to sit down and chat and, you know, a few people have asked me for a few tips on things and I said, I'm happy for us to chat over coffee and do that and capture some pictures and, you know, I'm really um, about creating a good environment and um, people seeing me not only on Instagram, but I always also want that personal collection as well. So people get that what they see on Instagram is what I am, um, that, you know, that's exactly who I am. Exactly. And I, I mean, I'm, I'm super excited to see where this goes, where your, you know, your Perth meetups and the, and the connection and collaboration and photography. I think this is really, really, really exciting. And I know you'll do super, super well with it. So Nikki, thank you so much for chatting with us today. I'd love you to just share quickly if people want to learn more about you, connect with you, reach out, where can they find you? So they can, yeah, they can go straight to my Instagram and there you can either email me, DM me, pop a comment in, whatever way you feel is the way that you want to connect and and I will always answer comments I will always answer dms and I will always answer emails so that is um yeah I am definitely up with connections and seeing what people want from me and I'm happy to sort of um yeah just go with what they have in mind which is you know always exciting Beautiful. And Nikki is actually also one of our official ambassadors for the Money for Mummy program with My Business Sexy Selfish. So if you do want a little discount on in my online courses, you can actually, when you hit up Nikki to work with her, you can actually ask her for that discount code as well. Um, so we won't share that here because I want them to reach out, <laughs> go and follow you and stuff. But Nikki, yeah, thank you so much for joining me. Really excited to keep connecting with you on social media, sharing more of your beautiful photography and I'm lusting over your kids' wardrobe seriously my kids are so unfashionable they love gum boots and Kmart and I'm like oh, <laughs> I cringe I cringe at what they put on oh. but I'm also trying to let them express themselves um, so I'm just going to keep oh, they admiring your wardrobe themselves. instead yeah, yeah. I, know, I think they get a better wardrobe than I do <laughs> yeah yeah anyway Nikki thank you so much um and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to today's podcast thank you oh thank you If you loved this episode, please subscribe and leave me a little love note by tagging me at sexy underscore selfish. To check out more of the Sexy Selfish podcast or to grab some of my little goodies, head on over to the freebie hub at www.sexyselfish.com. It's totally free and it's jam-packed with hours and hours of content for you. Thank you so much for being here with me today on The Sexy Selfish Show and showing up today to become the best version of you. I'm sure you got so much out of today's episode and I know that I really did as well. If there is someone in your life who would really benefit from hearing this episode and some of the things we shared about, please share it with them right now. It's as easy as just sharing the link and you could literally change someone's life. Remember, it is time to stop delaying your happiness.